dollar gold list trust for turning. Don't say we didn't tell you. Kanye is an idiot. A recap of the 2022 New Orleans Investment Conference. The usual, everyone, a lot going on. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 191 of our therapy session that we call Bizarro World. Nick, how the heck are you, sir? I'm doing great, Gerardo. Getting caught up after being away for the conference like you were. Duck season has started, um, so I'm happy about that. And weather is starting to cool off, so I'm happy about that as well. I'm a, I'm a fall and winter guy. How are you doing? I'm having to wear hoodies on my morning jogs, Nick. I am not a fan of wearing hoodies during my morning jogs. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I know that you are a hunting man, and so I am not. And, and, and so if I was a hunting man, I would welcome the cooler weather. Have you got any hunting in recently? We did some uh, duck and goose hunting over this past weekend. It was opening weekend. It wasn't too productive because it was still warm, but um, we'll get more productive for sure. Uh, I like it. I like it. Let's get right into it. We just got back from the New Orleans Investment Conference. You had a great presentation that I want you to touch on here in a bit. Then you and I did our New Orleans version of Bizarro World live in New Orleans. First and foremost, before we get a recap of your excellent presentation, what'd you think of the conference? How was the sentiment? What are you hearing? Oh, man. It's interesting because it, it's an interesting group of people who are, you know, seemingly always bullish on the on the, the medals. But, you know, there might have been a bigger dose of reality there this year than <laughs> in other years as, you know, gold has continued its tough slog. And as the uh, companies that exhibit there, you know, their charts go uh, down and to the right or at least have. Uh, so far this year, post, you know, gold running back to $2,000 last year. So um, a lot of still waiting for the pivot, which we hear from, um, you know, all corners of the market and um, a lot of, you know, not believing that, um, you know, gold hasn't uh, you know, been the inflation hedge that, that people once thought. Um, but other than that, uh, sort of like Beaver Creek as well, you know, sentiment is different than sort of the, the atmosphere. And, you know, people were outside of the market upbeat, glad to see each other. It's always a, a fun city. And um, last year was a full hybrid event because we were still, you know, lingering out of COVID. So this year, everyone, I think, was glad to be together. And, and I was as well. What did you think of it? I, look, I thought, um, I, I think you're spot on. I thought that there was definitely a heavier dose of reality, which again, as I always say, it makes my contrarian heart smile, right? But it only makes my contrarian heart smile when I'm able to have a long enough timeline to pick apart some of these names that are high quality names trading like, you know, trash junior stocks, right? I look at Perpetua, I look at, you know, Magna, I look at some of these other companies and sure Magna had a missed quarter, and sure, it's got some liquidity issues it's working through, but good gracious, that's a producing mine, right? With all in sustaining cost at 11 to 1200 an ounce, excluding the last quarter again, where those costs blew out to the $1,700, $1,800 level, which got them in trouble uh, because of that, that, that you know, failure in their geologic model. But yeah, uh, definitely a, a, a more um, Upbeat on the personal side, right? Inventa Capital, Liz Monger, uh, Chris Donaldson, and that group threw a phenomenal event in a historic location in New Orleans that was very well attended. It was upbeat. The networking was fantastic throughout. But as far as the markets go and as far as the gold space, it's, it's definitely a more cautious approach, right? We had a lot of uh, potential clients that reached out definitely to me and I know to you as well because I was there for a few of those wanting to come on on the Resource Stock Digest side and wanting us to help them share their story. But they're also wanting to wait until Q1 of 2023 as we're dead in the the, the, the eye of the tax law season uh, selling storm that happens every year, earlier every year, I should say, right? And so, yeah, no, had a great time. It was uh, great to hear your presentation. I want to touch on that in a bit. But yeah, a lot of reality there. I think everybody's kind of preparing themselves for gold to at least briefly penetrate, you know, that, that $1,600 level down to the low, to, to the high 1500s. And, you know, I think that's healthy. I think a, a one last uh, capitulation event would be a good catalyst for a turnaround. I think it's in the cards. It's interesting to see who embraces that reality um, and who tries to keep that reality at arm's length. I know 
um, the, you know, Brett Cook contributed to the Exploration Insights letter recently and was talking about some of the conspiracy theories that were being floated there. You and I had a question about um, global depopulation in, in our workshop. The gentleman was saying that one of the presenters was talking about you know, this elite cabal of people who um, was going to depopulate the, the earth so they could have the energy and the resources for themselves. And if that happens, what does it mean for resources? Well, I'll tell you, guy, if that happens, resource prices are the least. <laughs> Your portfolio is the last thing you're going to have to worry about, dude. Don't worry about that. So, yeah, there's some, you know, conspiracy theories floating around, but um, it's some reality floating around as well. I guess it depends on which string you want to grab, as it were. Which brings me to Kanye. We're going to segue right into this dumbass <laughs> idiot, right? Kanye West is the epitome, the epitome of why you shouldn't ever, ever, ever in your life listen or follow a person blindly just because they do a thing well. What Kanye does very, very well, and he is a genius at this, right, is produce music. He's been a genius at producing music for at least 20 years. At least 20 years. Absolutely tier one talent. Phenomenal. Um, I'm sure his next album will be phenomenal. He's done every type of beat you can imagine. Um, and then we get into his opinions on things, right? And that's where you just got to appreciate the music and tell him to shut up on the other side of it, right? Have you seen the most recent... Um, Little shenanigans that um, uncalled for, uh, completely not excused by whatever mental illness he's going through. If you're an asshole, you're an asshole. I've called other people assholes on this podcast before. Love Kanye's production. Cannot stand the man's opinions on a lot of things, including the anti-Semitism as of late. Any thoughts there, Nick? Have you have you read any of this? Well, I was going to say, you know me, I don't know the details, but I know the gist. He got kicked off of Twitter and Instagram for, as you just said, some um, anti-Semitic comments. I'm not sure exactly what those were. And um, subsequently said, um, a la Mr. Trump, that he's going to go his own way on the social media front and um, buy Parler, I think it is, which was, you know, some sort of right-leaning social media outlet. Um, I think that's the broad overarching story, but uh, what are the details? Uh, the very short version is he was on, he was doing an interview with Chris Cuomo on a, on a Sirius satellite station, and he was upset that he is referred to in the media as a rapper instead of being referred to as a multi-billion dollar businessman and tycoon who happens to produce music and also do fashion and all the other things that he does. That he, he does. wants to be a businessman, not a businessman. Mm, good job there, Nick. Good job. I see you brushed up on, on, on your J, right? And so what he said was that, and I'll give you the exact quote because I definitely don't want to misquote Mr. West. He does enough uh, of getting in trouble himself. He said, the Jewish underground media mafia is the reason why he's not referred to as a billionaire or tycoon in the press. This follows him saying that George Floyd repeating a conspiracy theory that has since been debunked. We have the autopsy report. He, I mean, he, he, he went after everybody, right? He said that George Floyd clearly, clearly in a separate interview, he said this, um, die. it wasn't, it wasn't from a neck, a knee to the neck, that there was no knee to the neck, that it was fentanyl overdose. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and again, that's been spread on, on, on right wing conspiracy channels. Um, he then went to Paris and if he hadn't upset enough people, um, he wore a White Lives Matter shirt, which, of course, White Lives Matter, just like Black Lives Matter, just like All Lives Matter. But I must say, when I look at the news and maybe it's the news, right, um, it seems like disproportionately it's low income and black people and brown people that get um, the bullets, right? They get the bullets and they get the he was running away and I felt threatened for my life. So I shot him 42 times or I thought he had a gun. It was a candy bar. So I shot him. 27 times after giving him two seconds or, oh, I knocked on the wrong house with information that we fabricated to get this warrant. And I thought my life was in danger. So, so I shot her 20 times. That doesn't seem to happen a lot in the better off communities. And it certainly doesn't happen a lot in the better off Caucasian communities. So um, yeah, he's been on a run. And again, I think John Stewart said it best. You know, John Stewart said, I don't know what drug you could get when when there were defenders of Kanye saying he clearly has a mental illness, John Stewart said, I don't know what drug you could get that can make you 
not believe that Jews are controlling the flow of information from your mouth to the public. I mean, I can't knock the logic there, John. John, of course, being one of the better interviewers and and and, and logical people out there. Um, so yeah, that was a week in the life of Kanye West. I mean, that's the short version. I could get you some more details, but I think that's enough. Well, I wonder if that conspiracy theory is the same reason Chris Cuomo is on some satellite channel and not on CNN. It's very possible. And in, in, in fairness, I think this Chris Cuomo uh, interview was one of three where all of these things happened, right? The second interview um, where he, he he talked about George Floyd was on a, on a show called Drink Champs by a gentleman by the, that goes by the name of Noriega, uh, entertainer, rapper, turned amazing journalist and podcast host. He gets millions of views every week, has a phenomenal show. Um, you know, and, and, and even him towards the end, you know, he, he tried to correct Kanye on a number of facts and, um, you know, it just, just Kanye seems like he's on another planet, but again, uh, that doesn't excuse the racism and it certainly doesn't excuse the ignorance. So, uh, yeah, that's my Kanye rant. You want to hear my Alex Jones rant? Sure. Well, Alex Jones just, uh, was, was ordered to pay nearly $1 billion in damages to the families of the Sandy Hook victims. And the only reason I bring Alex Jones up again, uh, because I don't like bringing him up because I have very little respect for his public. He doesn't he, deserve he, he does it. You know, as, 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 who am I? It's just Gerardo Del Real with his two cents um, that maybe isn't even worth the two cents. But uh, that man's character is clear to me and I think he's scum, right? At least his public persona. Um, not to mention some of the domestic violence allegations in his personal life and some of the other things that have gone out. He happens to live here in Austin. So that's always fun when I see him and his little cronies downtown in their big trucks riding around, riling people up and then bailing when the action starts. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, he was ordered to pay $965 million to the families of Sandy Hook victims. And that was just spread out amongst the few. There's still lawsuits pending. Um, clearly this is going to go ahead and eventually, right? And that's the question, eventually bankrupt his Infowars media company. Um, even if he files for bankruptcy, there's there's, there's going to be some, some, some loopholes that he's going to be able to exploit, but he is going to come out of pocket and this is going to financially cripple him. Um, but the reason I bring Alex Jones up is because I, I, I start to think about Kanye West and George Floyd's family just filed a lawsuit for $250 million for the spreading of the misinformation about why George Floyd died. I mean, look, if that was my brother, father, cousin, nephew, you name it, son, um, and, and, and died in such a public, um, just horrific, tragic manner, and someone with the platform and, and, and following of a Kanye West uh, made it a point to disparage the way in which he died, um, yeah, I, 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 at the very least, would be filing a lawsuit. And um, there's precedent now, right? With Alex Jones, I, I, I was listening to a podcast, a Joe Budden podcast the other day, and they were talking about how, you know, he tied the two together. And he said, look, before this Alex Jones thing, there wasn't a lot of precedent as far as speech went and, and how, um, how, how, how damaging um, of public opinions and conspiracy theories being spread could be as far as monetizing the damage. Um, there's precedent now, and it doesn't surprise me that the first lawsuit was a $250 million one. And so I hope Kanye does have those $9 billion he brags about, because he might need some of that. He's a uh, ye, isn't he? The, the lawsuit yay, yay, yay. Yay, yay. How do you say uh, it? Yay for Kanye. <laughs> like there you go. Anyway. Um, no, you know, we've heard a lot of talk about how we're in a post-truth era, right? <laughs> Where um, it's tough to discern what the what the reality is. We were just talking about conspiracy theories and, and reality from the uh, New Orleans Investment Conference. And so, um, you know, maybe these lawsuits can set us down the path and I'd have to toss the fourth turning in there as well as you did at the, be at the beginning of the podcast where, you know, you turn from this, anybody can say whatever they want, uh, you know, no holds barred conspiracy theories, um, QAnon and all this sort of stuff, whatever it is, um, to a place where, like, you know, what you say uh, actually matters because truth does matter. Um, and on a less serious note, the only thing I could think when I was reading about the $1 billion and the Alex Jones things was if the judge was like, $1 billion. <laughs> like, I didn't know. It's like, 
Because I'm not sure that that money's going to come. His estimated real. net worth, and again, th- this speaks to America. I'm sorry, and then the world that we live in right now. His estimated net worth is estimated anywhere, according to one of the outlets, between 135 million and I think 200 million. So, so ten, five to ten times more than and more loss you know, his spending. entire thing is worth, right? <laughs> Why not one trillion dollars? <laughs> Oh, God. Should we continue with stupidity for a little bit? I mean, we told you already that gold was going down further. We told you already if you're a contrarian, which means that you buy when things are low and you're not afraid of things going low, or if you have the right kind of timeline and liquidity, you could write it out. You can make some very, very good money when it turns. However, anyone that tells you they know exactly when it turns is lying to you. I thought by Q4 that gold would be approaching the $2,000 level. I thought the consolidation would be quicker. Um, It's clearly extending past that. I know it'll happen. I just don't know exactly when, but I do know there's some quality names worth getting. But should we continue on with the stupidity of our society right now, Nick? Let's do it. The good old state of Texas, freedom, is sending public school students home with DNA kits designed to help their parents identify their children in case of an emergency. I mean, this is our response to Uvalde. This is the action that, you know, this is what we're doing, y'all. Are we serious? I, I thought this was an Onion headline. You know, the Onion, the group, they do the parodies, the satire, and That's right? Crazy. And, and then I looked, I'm like, this is... Reuters, this is AP, this is, you know, a real thing. So Texas public school system will be providing ink-free fingerprint and DNA identification cards to all K-6 students who are eligible. Parents aren't mandated to use the kits, but if your kid kid gets shot up, then you may want to have these handy, right? No. I mean, I mean, you want more societal turns, more fourth turning stuff? Uh, we just had... Uh, the, the 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 UK the British Prime Minister Liz Truss quit her job. <laughs> I was getting attached to her. How? It was just forty five <laughs> days, Nick. How are you getting attached to her? It's insane. I saw I saw a meme of like the uh, the Prime Minister's you know uh, uh, place, and it said "Great for short term stays, <laughs> Airbnb." <laughs> And it had me laughing. And this, of course, comes on the heels of uh, mistrust, deciding that the thing to do with roaring inflation and a recession was to cut taxes um, and, and go ahead and, and, and go easy. You know, and, and, and obviously those tax cuts uh, were something that Britain could not afford. And the citizenry got pissed. And, you know, kudos to the citizenry. For, for voicing those opinions and getting her, however you feel about the politics. I'm, I'm just speaking to the action of the citizenry, right? Being vocal enough to pressure several politicians in that party um, to, 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 to be accountable for their actions. So we talk about accountability on this show a lot, right? On this podcast a lot. We talk Kanye West and we talk Alex Jones and we talk about, you know, the things that you do and the things that you say and Speech is free. I'm a big freedom of speech guy, but doesn't mean there doesn't come accountability with the things that you say. Well, the things that you do should most definitely carry a high level of accountability. And in this case, however you feel about the party, however you feel about the politicians over there, um, kudos to the citizenry for speaking up and say, no, no, if this is how you're going to start to lead, how about you just go? This is not going to work. This is not what we signed up for. It was a very fast turnaround. Um, like you say, 45 days, it was six weeks. I don't think anybody even got a chance to get acquainted with her or establish her in the in the lexicon. So maybe the next person will be able to stave off economic reality. We'll see. Shortest tenure but, but of any yes. British prime minister ever. Ever is a long time, as we always say here, right? And yeah, I saw some interesting stats. You know, the first person to serve under two monarchs since uh, Winston Churchill um and, and another one i'm gonna get it wrong but you know um how many we've seen in the past three years i mean there's been three british prime ministers in, in the past three years Theresa may um and then the the shaggy haired mr uh, uh boris and then uh this one so now we're gonna get four and yeah that's um political chaos that's uh turning stuff they don't have the answers because um shockingly the answers don't come from government 
And these are problems created by government that don't have quick solutions. You can't talk your way. And this is the fourth turning that we keep referencing, right? We're at that inflection point in history, I believe, Nick, where you can't talk or BS your way out of situations you created because everyone now knows it's you that created them, right? And that's coming to a country near you, regardless of where you are listening to this. There's very few fiscally and morally responsible parts of the world right now that are that are overjoyed about their economy, that are overjoyed about their quality of life, that are overjoyed about the potential for upward mobility. These are the pillars that, that great countries and, 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 and stable economies and stable societies, these are the pillars that they're built on, right? And it's going to get tougher before before it gets better, everybody. I, I hate to be, you know, the bearer of, of, of somber news, but I keep telling y'all, keep whatever you need to keep to, to make you feel like you can protect and, and, and keep your family safe, because I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. No doubt. Um, a lot further to go. We've talked about Iran on this podcast. Um, you know, those are fueled by social media. Taking it back to the Arab Spring, I mean, that was fueled by social media. I was reading something this week about how um, you know, Chinese citizens are up in arms and, and taking to social media because, um, you know, they've been paying these mortgages or have taken out mortgages on, on real estate that has yet to materialize. And, you know, there was a, a seemingly appeasing speech by Xi this week and, and, and well, late last week, I guess they had a, you know, a big event, with the, the Chinese Communist Party. And so um, all the way to, to South America. I think you're right, obviously. Um, you know, I think there's a political turning at hand and uh, that coincides with uh, coincides with a lot of things, um, you know, uh, militarily, economically and otherwise, which I think everybody around us senses and sees. And because the world isn't interesting enough, Boston University decided it was going to go ahead and make a brand new COVID strain that has an 80 percent mortality rate in mice. Oh, man. Did you, did you miss that one? I did, yeah. Hopefully I don't get it. I've been more sick than, than, than usual. I typically never get sick. I've got another cold. What could possibly go wrong, Nick, right? A university making a deadlier a strain that's 80% fatal um, in, 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 in mice. And mice, by the way, that, 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 that mimic um, the human immune system. And so, again, I'm no, uh, I'm no smart, sciencey guy, but that didn't seem like a good idea to me. <laughs> Maybe they are trying to depopulate the earth. It all comes full circle. Did we get that guy's name? <laughs> oh, God. Um, let's get back to the markets. Uh, interest rates, mortgage rates, all the rates, Viagra charts, right? Uh, how are you feeling about the, uh, the earnings season thus far? And how are you feeling about where we are as it relates to interest rates? Starting to be a little toppy to me, if I'm being honest. But you're more the chartist and technician, so I'll give it. I'll give you the give, give you the floor there. I mean, that's a lot in, in a question. Um, but let's start with the inverted yield curve, which remains inverted. You know, the, the two-year yield is is screaming higher. Um, Sixty-nine so yield that, curve. We established this, <laughs> right? When you take that away from the from the ten-year, it means that there's still more trouble ahead. Um, it was like the most inverted it had been since all this started um, earlier this year, uh, this week, and then um, it's sort of a little tiny bit less inverted now, but still significantly inverted. Um, the other thing about the two-year going higher means that uh, the Fed is going to continue to hike. So. Uh, Mr. Kashkari was telling us as much this week, saying that, you know, there's likely 75, uh, 275 basis point hikes ahead. And, and you know, I firmly believe that's the case. I've been talking about, you know, waiting for Pivot. It's my funny line in, in the talks I've been giving because Godot is the character that never comes in the, um, you know, in, in the play. And so, you know, I don't think that the, the pivot comes. I think that that's what the two year year going higher is telling you. Uh, I'm not sure about getting toppy, but uh, I do know that that's keeping a firm lid on gold, which you've already mentioned. I didn't see where it closed today, but it was down around, you know, the 1640 mark, perhaps a little bit weaker than 1620 that. 1620-ish, um, yeah. Surprise, surprise, hashtag silver squeeze from a couple of weeks ago when the dollar yields did have a brief pullback was again a, a short term <laughs> inverse indicator that silver was, of course, not being squeezed. Um, the dollar is, is, is breaking out. And if the Fed is going to continue to hike, if you pull the chart back to the 
um, 80s um, went much higher than it is now when Volcker was hiking rates back then. Um, uh, and then you asked about earnings. Um, you know, uh, I had said that earnings were going to go to negative earnings growth, not necessarily this quarter, but in the um, for fourth quarter earnings and potentially first quarter 2023 earnings. Um, you've had about 70 companies <clears throat> report so far of the 500 in the S&P. And in fact, earnings growth is negative. But um, a couple of things. One, it, it, it'll go positive as the rest of the companies report. You won't get negative earnings growth this quarter. Um, two, um, I hear a lot about beats, right? Like, you know, this company beat and that company beat, but they're 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 beating like the lowest of hurdles. Yeah, like right? if I fight a 10-year-old, I'll probably beat him. <laughs> no doubt, right? So the expectations were lowered such that all these companies are beating, but they're still um, shrinking uh, earnings growth wise. And that's what I, that's what exactly what I'm saying when I tell you that the 70 companies that have reported so far have reported overall negative earnings growth, but you hear about all these beats. Um, just take a look at the, like the financial sector, for uh, example, which do I still have a tab up here about it? Doot, doot, doot. I see you got new art back there going on a wall soon. Oh, it's getting there. I've been bringing stuff in here and there. Like um, over the past month, where's the financials? Um, where, yeah, over the past month, like the financials have lost 4% of their uh, value. And the, the, the earnings from the banks have been uh, abysmal and, and and really what I wanted to mention there was, was Tesla right because Tesla reported earnings this week and, and is on a significant slide down you know you remember when uh, he had the funding secured at 420 was the uh, tweet if you remember right and Tesla now is um, a $200 stock you know it's lost more than half its value since the funding was secured to go private at, at 420 and has slid um, gosh, it's lost 30% of its value in the past month and a half. It was a $315 stock in September, and now it's a $200 stock. So air is still coming out of this market. Um, a little bit of air, maybe not even a little bit, more air still to be let out of this market, I would say. So uh, I'm giving you a long answer. Sorry, but that's what I um, asked for. <laughs> you had a bounce in the S&P. You're getting another bear market bounce in the past couple of days. And um, the reason is that... You know, at least what people are attributing it to is algorithmic buying. You had a, a retracement, a technical level of 50% of the gains from the COVID lows. So the market went up like 2,600 points since um, March, 2020, and it's now lost like 1,300 in some points. And right on the screws, when it retraced 50% of those gains, um, algorithms came in and started buying. But um, in the letter I wrote today, which hasn't got mailed out yet, you'll see, or I expect that luster of the, the this technical indicator, this 50% retracement to wear off pretty quick because of the negative earnings that we see. Um, and I continue to think, uh, you know, as I just said, we lost 50% since the COVID lows. You could get closer to the COVID lows before this whole thing um, turns around. The only thing I didn't address there that you were asked was uh, about the rates feeling toppy. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, you know, the 10 year is, um, back to where it was in 2008, historically, it's, it's been much, much higher. So, um, you know, maybe in the, in the short to intermediate term, it's a little bit toppy, but could go higher. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I still think there's going to be a panic into the dollar. Near term, it looks a little toppy to me. I think as far as the cycle goes, no, I, you're, you're spot on. If you look at a chart, it can go much, much higher. Um, that's one of those that we're going to have to wait and see, right? Well, we'll, we'll see which way it shakes out and how quickly it shakes out. Um, speaking of shaking out, look, I think there's an opportunity right now. Let me give you my Patriot update for the week. There is a, a, a pause in assay results. The last set of results was spectacular, by the way, but the company is doing something that is going to be extremely beneficial. It is applying for, it has applied for an ASX listing. It has to go through a financing and a filing of its prospectus. All that means is that for three weeks, you're not going to get any news from the company. And that's going to lead to sideways to downward trends, regardless of what lithium does. That is an absolute gift for you all that maybe feel like you missed the initial run up and haven't wanted to step in and buy it at the $7 level. It's currently in the mid fives to low sixes on, on, on the average day. I think anything in the fives is a phenomenal entry point. And I think this time next year, um, we'll be talking about a stock that's in the 20s. And so that's your freebie for the day. I would encourage everybody 
that um, is looking for a very, very, very well cashed up company that has a very already robust anchor asset in a stable part of the world and is onto a hot new discovery of semi-massive nickel, copper, PGMs, rhodium, gold. Um, you should subscribe to Mr. Hodge's letter. He'll put a link up and um, buy it. And if it goes down between now and a year or six months or whatever our refund policy is right now, we'll give you your money back. That's an e as, easy a, as easy a money-making a resource stock as is out there. If you have, you know, the six to 12 month timeline to just let that company continue to drill out this new discovery and the existing resource. Six rigs turning 40 plus million dollars in cash. Um, as, as one of our friends and, and, and a mentor to both of us, Nick said, if this one doesn't work out, I might just walk away from the resource space. <laughs> I kind of feel that way about Patreon. So far, so good there. But look, this has the potential to be now the stock is trading under two bucks. I think this time next year has the potential to be between seven and 10 bucks. Yeah, that company you're talking about um, is a PGM deposit, as you said, but they've since uh, found some semi-massive and, and massive sulfides of nickel and copper. And um, they stepped out from where they hit those um, semi-massive and massive sulfides, 50 meters to the north, 50 meters to the south, put two holes up top, two holes down below. Um, and, and they're saying that visually, at least, <clears throat> All four of those holes have, have intersected uh, semi-massive sulfides. And so, um, as well as containing the PGMs, right? So you're getting holes that contain like, um, you know, 11 meters of, uh, you know, four, four point something grams per ton PGMs plus gold, plus um, a, a percent and some change copper, plus 2% nickel and sulfides. And so, um, and they're only halfway through uh, a very robust phase one drill program. You mentioned, you know, uh, six rigs turning. I think they've drilled something like 91 holes and um, that's only halfway done. So news flow for the for the rest of the year. And um, the stock is held up. Um, a lot of it is in really close hands. Right. You know, the chairman of some, I think, 40 percent of the um, company. Um, BlackRock is in there. Uh, you and I are shareholders and. Um, most of that stock is still locked up. You know, if anything, a quarter has come free trading, but I don't think anybody's selling. There's not a lot of shares to be had. So um, I was writing about that today too. And, and that'll soon be my third largest personal holding. It is, it is currently it's Labrador Uranium, uh, but I suspect that the, 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 the company, the chart, the way that I see it, it's going to continue higher. When I look at the numbers, Nick, I mean, <laughs> The, the the last hole in the new discovery, the grades are just phenomenal. You mentioned it already, but it's worth highlighting. The grades are high in every one of the commodities, right? You're talking 1.23% copper over 2% nickel, 4.24 grams per ton, three PGMs plus gold. I mean, this is not the typical, you know, you drill a hole a kilometer or two away and see what you find out. Um, this one is special. So again, I would subscribe. I think it's well worth it. If you don't make money, you get your money back. Seems easy it's to like me. A whole, it's like a whole bag of the good candy, man. There's Reese's and Twix and Kit Kats in there. No candy corn. All the good stuff. <laughs> All the good stuff. No candy corn. We have to talk uranium before we get out of here. It's ticked up to the 52 level. Um, Labrador uranium has, has been my third largest personal holding. It'll likely be, you know, a, a, a competition between Labrador and Bravo here soon. But uranium's touched 52. It looks primed to go higher. You're the chartist amongst us, Nick. I do love that chart, though. It looks pretty. I'm going to write you a whole editorial here, mainly so I can send it out as an editorial. Um, uranium is one of the few assets that has uh, remained positive for the year. The, the price of the underlying commodity, U308, and the spot price is, is up year to date, 2022, whereas you know nearly every other metal commodity is uh, down. And so um, that's the first point. The second point is that... Um, the news flow is incredible. The news flow from both a country standpoint and from a company standpoint is incredible. So um, we've mentioned Germany on this podcast before and their pivot from um, wanting to phase out all their nuclear reactors to saying, hey, hang on, wait a minute, we're going to leave two running because um, of the situation that's going on with Russia and the, and the uncertainty of the natural gas supply for the winter. But um, 
in the past couple of days, they've gone even further and say, we're going to leave three running, right? So it's like an option now. It's like four, can I get four, <laughs> five, five, how about five? Um, so you see that the, you know, countries like that are starting to, um, you know, see, uh, well, basically the writing on the wall and, and acquiesce to it. And we've mentioned Japan as well. Um, they said they're going to restart 17 reactors. They want to extend the life of those reactors, just as we're doing here in the United States. And, they want to build um, new uh, advanced reactor technologies. Now, that was the prime minister who said that in August. Um, this month, there was the head of some agency, like some you know Institute of Energy um, in Japan, who wrote a, a whole message, his entire October. He writes a, a message every month. And uh, his entire October message was about nuclear. And he was talking about those three goals that I just mentioned, restarting, extending the life, and building new ones. But he was also talking about um, how the country in general is embracing it, especially the young generation. Yeah. So, um, and that's important because the young generation gets old and they carry those beliefs with them. So it portends a, a, a literal new generation of, of nuclear acceptance, whereas, you know, the 60 and older crowd was they were still in support, but not as strongly in support. The, the set, I think the 18 to 30 year old crowd or 18 to 29, I forget the exact metric, was 71% in support of building new nuclear reactors. That's very strong support, stronger than most politicians get, for sure. Um, and so you can see the embracing there. And then um, on the on the company front, um, you've got some big deals going down. So, um, you know, Westinghouse, which is a company that supplies nuclear uh, technology for reactors, their, their technology is in, I think, something like uh, 40% of the, the 440 uh, nuclear reactors that we have in the world. That company went uh, bankrupt, was taken you know, into private equity hands because of cost overruns at some plants it was building here in, in South Carolina and Georgia, I believe it was. Um, in the past week, we've seen that uh, Cameco stepped up to buy them along with Brookfield Renewable um, assets for, I think the enterprise value was $7.9 billion, but about half of that was debt. So um, Cameco put up two point something billion dollars for 49 percent and Brookfield Renewables put up just a little bit more than two billion dollars for its 51 percent. It's real money. Um, that's real money. It's billions of dollars. And um, uh, what was I going to say? It, oh, it's interesting. The name Brookfield Renewables, right? It's a renewables company that's buying a, a nuclear reactor company. Right. And so. Um, I'm not saying uranium is renewable. What I'm saying is that it's being embraced by that, you know, clean energy, renewable uh, crowd. And then um, should mention UEC as well. So, um, you know, that's sort of upstream on the Cameco Westinghouse side, downstream all the way to production. You know, UEC has been busy rolling up assets for the past year. Yeah. They bought the uranium one assets from um, back from Russia, which, you know, was a big scandal when, you know, Hillary Clinton was uh, secretary of state and let those assets go away or whatever. Um, and then they outbid Denison for UEX. Yeah. And then um, in the past week or so, they purchased um, Rough Rider asset in the Athabasca Basin from Rio Tinto. So um, lots of positive news flow, lots of embracing of the technology. And yet, and this is important, um, if you look at the uh, mainstream uranium ETFs like the Sprott Uranium Miners or the Global X Uranium ETF, they are down yeah. some uh, 10 to, to 16% for the year. And so um, there's opportunity there. The sector had a very strong run. Um, you know, it, it, I think it was in the late first quarter or early in the second quarter, the prices were much higher than they were now, which tells me that uh, some uranium names could be subject to tax law selling just like the gold names. And so um, I think there's significant value there in, in quality companies. And, um, well, like Boris Gump says, that's all I got to say about that. You said older generation, and I immediately thought of our president, Joe Biden. And so I want to I want to commend old Joe this week because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty decent about giving it to both administrations and both parties um, when 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 they deserve it. But on, on, on this side of it, uh, he deserves a bit of credit. He uh is awarding $2.8 billion in grants to boost U.S. production of electric vehicle batteries and the minerals used to build them. And that is a step in the right direction, especially if we're going to keep counterfeiting money anyhow. Um, let's get something tangible that's sustainable, that is that, that, that has some societal value here moving forward. So Albemarle, several other companies 
um, received grants. You know, I think Albemarle was $150 million. Um, a couple of other ones uh, received $50 million, $20 million, $141 million for Piedmont. Talon received $114.8 million. What I'm trying to tell you folks, and what Nick is trying to communicate as well, is that there are bull markets right now that 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 are undergoing consolidation and st- consolidations in stocks within those bull markets that you should be exploiting. You know, we talked about Patreon. We talked about you all subscribing to Nick's newsletter and and and, and seeing what that pick is. Um, both of those are stocks that within the next twelve months, I think, have the potential to trade four to five times higher, um, possibly on the low end. If if we're half right about that, you just double or triple your money. I don't think you'd be upset with us, but everyone is different. Had to bring up the um, the two point eight billion dollars in, in in grants, and I think that's a step in the right direction for the U.S. Um, one long overdue. It's important, um, uh, and we talk about it all the time. Where is that lithium going to come from? And uh, there was an article in Foreign Policy magazine this week saying. Um, that the, the South American states, you know, in the triangle, Argentina, Argentina, I can't even talk, Argentina, <laughs> Bolivia, and um, Chile. Uh, you were thinking in Espanol, you know, Nick, that I saw it. I know. Um, <laughs> all of those, um, you know, countries, because of their political um, situations, you know, aren't responding as fast as they need to, to exploit that robust resource that they have there. And so, you know, all those companies you mentioned, uh, Albemarle, Piedmont, uh, et cetera, are assets with North American or companies with North American assets. Granted, some of them operate in other jurisdictions, but um, Albemarle certainly um, has the, the big lithium production in uh, Nevada. And um, Piedmont is uh, in North Carolina with a partnership on an asset in it's either in Ontario or Quebec, I believe Ontario. Mm-hmm. So um, North America's got to get on its game for, for lithium and, and sure, we'll take the We'll take the money for our money. Inflation profits, lithium profits, follow whatever you want. Buy some more Patriot, y'all. Not financial advice. Just what we're doing. Just what I'm doing. I know Nick, you got a bid in, right? I got bid in. Yeah, I think it gets a little bit cheaper here in the, in the next couple of weeks. I like so, it. Um, yeah, it's limit order set. I like it. You only don't like that if you need to sell some in the next month or so, everyone. If, if, if you don't, you should be embracing this. And if you have free capital, you should be taking advantage of the weakness and the quiet period. Um, Nick, before we go, you had a fascinating presentation at the New Orleans Investment Conference, as you always do. You want to touch on it here before we get on out of here. I'm wondering, by the way, if they're going to keep inviting us back every time we go to like a gold conference. We tell everybody that gold is not the sector that you should be allocating capital towards. (laughs) Right now, it's lithium and uranium. And then every time you get invited to like a silver conference, you tell them that silver is trading like an industrial metal and is probably going to 15 before it goes to 30. And so let's see if the invitations keep coming. But our responsibility and obligation is always to the people and and then the listeners and readers that follow our stuff and, you know, maybe get some inspiration to go do some due diligence on their own and make some decisions. So all we can tell is kind of give you our point of view and our take. And sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. But at least it's honest, y'all. Yeah, it was similar to a talk I gave at the Silver Symposium here in Spokane in uh, late August, I believe it was. It was about, um, it was called Memes to the Moon, a Requiem for Rabid Redditors. And it was going through the history of the, um, you know, the Reddit channel dedicated to silver and uh, how silver was going to be squeezed starting in early 2021. But in fact, um, they called the top of the, the silver market and it didn't get squeezed from there. It didn't go to the moon from there. All it's done is lose 30% of its value from $28 to $18. And um, it was about how, you know, you can't invest via social media and you can't invest via trends, you know, albeit it's fun to, to post memes about how inept the government is and the Fed and um, conspiracy theories about a great reset and the death of the dollar. Um, you know, that's all that's all good and, and, and can create a good chuckle. But um, if you follow that, and I, I pointed out one gentleman who didn't have a lot of spare money, $200 in um, free cash a month, he was a restaurant worker. And, and he was saying back when this, you know, silver movement started in early 2021, that he was putting half that money every month into to buying silver. Well, he's lost 30% of his um, little bit of cash that he had since then. And so um, that's not the way to invest. And 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 the death of the dollar, sure, on a long enough time frame is a real thing, but um, certainly not since um, the social media, meme stock, silver squeeze 
silver squeeze thing has been going on. You know, the dollar is at 20 plus year highs, in fact. Um, and so I guess it was just a, a dose of reality and, and a bit of a warning that, you know, all these people who think they're contrarian are actually the contrarian indicators, the true contrarians, right? It's, I went through the first level thinking and, and second level uh, thinking as far as contrarianism is concerned. And um, as I said earlier in this podcast, even as recently as late September, early October, they had the hashtag silver squeeze trending again. And, and, and sure enough, it was the, the short term top, you know, silver gets 21, approaches 22, hashtag silver squeeze trends. And, that, and that's it. So we're back down to, to 18 bucks, rates turned back around, dollar turned back around. And so um, that's reality. I mean, they're, they're inverse indicators of the, of the sector. They, they want to go higher. So just a bit of caution out there. And that's not to say I don't own silver and I don't own silver stocks. I do. Um, but I'm not rabid for them as, uh, you know, that's why I was calling them rabid Redditors, right? And um, I don't blindly support them and bl blindly hashtag them. There's other factors that you have to consider. And, um, you know, Klaus Schwab wanting to feed you bugs is no reason to, you know, go out there and, and, and buy meal kits and, and, and more silver at prices that aren't necessarily good values. Before we go, because of course, we try to be fair here. I, I have to mention the thing Joe did this week that I didn't like. Um, he released 50 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, right? Um, I think it's nearsighted. I think that whatever you think of former President Trump and his politics, um, he was talking about filling that reserve at 24 bucks, I, I believe, 24 $25, $26 a barrel. He was also telling Germany, maybe you shouldn't depend on Russians for all your energy needs. I mean, for all the things that Mr. Trump um, fabricates, lies about, makes up, gets incorrect, he's got some things pretty correct. And, and on those two points, he was spot on, right? He, he understood the dynamics there. Um, it, do you think that this release of 50 million barrels matters, especially when you have Saudi Arabia, our buddy, who we won't ever go after, despite, don't let me get going again, um, uh, despite all of the offenses committed against the U.S. by the, the, the Saudi government. Um, do you think these 50 million barrels are going to matter in the midterm? Um, the midterm elections or the midterm time? Midterm frame? time frame. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that within the context of Saudi Arabia saying, oh, well, guess what? We're not going to put off our boat and we're going to cut our production to offset the 50 million barrels you're releasing on yours? No, I told you a couple of weeks ago that um, oil was going to trade in range. It's pulled back from $90 to, I don't know what it's at today, 87, mm -hmm. 80 bucks, something like that. Um, it's a total political move, you know, to try to get gas prices down because they were ticking back up as, you know, people head to the polls this fall. Um in the in the long term scheme of things, I don't think it matters. You know, the the economic reality is that uh, demand will likely wane a little bit because of the, the recession that's materializing, um, and even Saudi Arabia has been um, you know politicized. You know, yeah. uh, they were pointing we <laughs> our politicians were pointing at them saying, you know, look at these bad Saudi Arabians. They're you know they're limiting the supply or whatever, and and they they shot right back. Look, man, we're not like it's not a political thing. It's it's a recession. You know, we're we're cutting supply yeah. because you know we expect demand to go um, down, and so. Um, total politics. The the last thing I'd add there is just like gold stocks uh, aren't gold, you know, oil stocks aren't oil. So, you know, oil could go to uh, 75 or, or stay at 80 bucks. And um, that's a good price for oil stocks. So oil stocks can be bullish while, you know, oil prices stay sort of flat. Um, is it a short sighted thing? Yeah, obviously it's meant for the midterm elections. I like it. I like it. Um... You have a new private deal coming up, right? I talked up your one newsletter. I think oh, you have another another newsletter because Mr. Hodge writes three and edits and publishes a whole bunch of other ones. Um, but yeah, you have a new deal and I know what it is and I like it a lot. So uh, would you want to speak to that a bit? Well, it might be closed by the time this gets out, but it's worth just laying it out there a little bit so we can put a, a link up. We haven't done a ton of private deals um, this year just because of the, the overall macro environment. Uh, last year, the average price of a closed deal that we sold was over 100%. And um, this year, it's down closer to 10%, but that's still outperforming some of the best hedge funds um, in the world. Um, we've been very selective. And um, as you said, there's um, some very uh, attractive deals out there just because stocks have been sold off. Yep. So um, 
the deal we're funding uh, this week is um, a Latin American prospect generator. It has um, several assets in, in South America that it's already vended out option uh, joint venture to uh, majors. It has um, option agreements, earning agreements with some of the biggest mining companies in the world that um, if all their um, earning agreements are met and their, their cash and share payments are made total something like $30 million. And uh, the company is trading with a five or $6 million market cap. Um, and they've still got projects that can be vended out that they've done some de-risking work on, you know, geophysics and early exploration, uh, et cetera. And um, the shares in this company were were uh, rolled back a couple of years ago. The, the, the last two financings they've done were at higher prices. So we're uh, buying the cheapest private placement paper that's ever been sold. And oh, by the way, it comes with a, a three-year full warrant Oof. as well. If you're worried about the um, you know, the timeline it's going to take for the metals market to come back. That's a pretty good buffer. Uh, it's got good management and um, we met it's with got management. Some, that's exactly yep. right in New Orleans. And it's got a, a, a relatively tight share structure, um, you know, 50 some 57 million shares outstanding. But uh, like the company we were talking about earlier, one board member owns, you know, some 43% yeah. of those shares, something like that. So, um, in strong hands and, you know, worth a shot in this environment. If we think that maybe not in the next six months, but in certainly in the next three years that the, the metals complex is going to turn around, um, buying a company that has JVs with major miners um, at a $5 million, $6 million Canadian valuation is a, is a pretty good bet, even if, um, and I'm not saying you should do this or it's what I'm going to do, even if you just want to sell your shares and then hold the warrants as, as a lottery ticket. So, uh, you, of course, have to be accredited to participate. Uh, Hodge Family Office Private Intel is participating. Some people have already written in expressing their interest. I am personally participating. Um, and that's it. We'll put a link up if you'd like to learn more about the service. It's going to be hard not to make money with that one. Well, we'll see. And like you said, maybe it will walk away from the industry if these deals, these quality deals don't work out. <laughs> Anything else you want to get off your chest, Nick? No, that's it. We I thought we were going to wrap up at 33 minutes and we're approaching an hour. So that's Yeah, it. and if we keep talking, you know how that goes. We'll be here for another 30 minutes. So <laughs> it was great being back in the office. Um, great catching back up. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was our therapy session that we call Bizarro World number 191. Be kind, everyone, even with people you disagree with. It's okay. Have a good See one. Ya. Be safe, y'all. <laughs> Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.